On this episode, we're talking the latest cult classic in horror, news from the Toxic Avenger director, and women in horror. But first, we have to talk Cave Dweller. Because this is huge. This is actually Halloween Ends news. It has recently come to my attention that the fake working title for Halloween Ends is Cave Dweller. Now, what they do when they're making movies is they'll give it a fake title, you know, to keep these nosy movie fans away so they can have some privacy so they can make their picture. And if it just says Halloween ends on posters everywhere on town, people are going to show up. But if it says something weird, you know, Blue Harvest, Star Wars, or in this case, Cave Dweller, like nobody gives a shit about Cave Dweller. Oh, they're making a movie, Cave Dweller. Yeah, it sounds great. Nobody's going to go to that set. Nobody's going to harass that production. But it's called Cave Dweller? Now, now, now. For the hardcore horror fans listening, that probably set some alarms off right there. A Halloween movie with this fake working title, Cave Dweller? Excuse me? Now, that probably reminds you of the opening of Halloween 5. I know it did for me. Now, how does Halloween 5 open up? Well, in hilarious fashion. Because they shoot Michael Myers the fuck up. Halloween 4 ends, they light him up, and he takes a tumble, falls down into the river, which is amazing. Big Mike, just fucking lazy rivering down the way. And he ends up in a mineshaft cave situation where this very nice man nurses him to health and then he kills him oh mike mike have a heart and he kills that man and it's weird because michael myers was there for what a full calendar year pretty much because i think he wakes up the day before halloween again he's like oh my alarm's going off gotta gotta go kill people cave dweller so what do you think What do you think? Because we know Halloween ends takes place a bit of time after Halloween kills. Weeks, months, years. I always forget which one it is. But it's a period of time has gone by. Is this motherfucker living in a cave? Is that that what's going to happen? Is he hiding out in a cave or a mine shaft? Because there were rumors. There were rumors when they announced, we're going to make Halloween kills And then the last one's going to be called Halloween Ends. There were rumors, even back then, that Halloween Ends was going to have him living uh, in in some sort of cave or mineshaft. And if they're being oh so subtle and clever with their fake working title of Cave Dweller, I think that's what we're going to get, guys. I think that's what we're going to get. And my mind keeps going to that quote from Jamie Lee Curtis. When she says, fans are going to be mad about this one. Fans are going to be mad. Mad about what? Mad about what? Do they kill her off? Do they kill Michael off? Both. Do they become best friends? Do they become lovers? Mm -hmm. Is it because he lives in a cave for half the movie or something like that? This might be a situation where, like with Halloween Kills... I think I was one of the few people that really enjoyed the flashback stuff. 
Give me half a movie with Michael Audrey Myers. Aubrey? In a cave. That would be amazing. Because in Halloween 2018, we got to see Michael outside of his element, which is just walking around town stabbing. We saw him in prison. We saw him chained up, shackled, with his back to us. We saw him getting loaded onto a bus. We got to see Michael in society, in a way. Now, it was incarcerated society, but that was his little slice of life. He did that to himself a little bit. But this, is he going to willingly choose to hold up in a mine shaft or a cave for weeks, months, years? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. And that shit comes out this October. What is wrong with my voice? I'm going through puberty, guys. Actually, I just woke up. I, I woke up. I said, I want to get this podcast going because this cave dweller shit is just chewing my brain. It's chewing it up. But that movie comes out in less than six months, right? What are we at? February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Eight months. Eight months. 12 days, 13 hours, 45 minutes, 12 seconds. I can't wait. I can't wait. So we will see what Cave Dweller is. It might not mean anything. They, they might have changed that aspect uh, throughout their process here. But that is so damn exciting to me. Now, now they could have really trolled us and trolled me specifically. It could have been called like Black Thorn or, you know, Roses with Thorn. You know, something like that. And I would have fucking lost my mind. But hell, I'm losing my mind with Cave Dweller. So that little bit of business, little bit of Halloween ends news to kick off this week's Slasherville because that is so goddamn cool. They're calling it Cave Dweller. These trolls, I love when the filmmakers know the history and they, they know how to push all of our buttons and get us excited. But we're also going to see what's going to piss us off. Jamie Lee, and I think we'll know when the first couple trailers drop. We're going to see something and go, oh yeah, that's what's going to piss us off. So it has come to my attention that February is Women in Horror Month. Woo! Little grassroots campaign, a little celebration of women in horror, and I think that's great. I love that. So this week I kind of wanted to celebrate women in horror because I agree they do not get the, the love they deserve, the respect. Because women bring it when it comes to horror. They truly, truly do. I'm, I'm going to bring out a little list here of some movies and filmmakers to just remind you. So here's, here's my little list of, of some of my favorite, uh, most important films and filmmakers who are ladies. Uh, the Babadook. The Babadook, 2014 one of my favorite modern horror films. And it's a hard watch because the kid's so god dang annoying in it. Which is the point because he's supposed to be a kind of a pain in the ass and it drives her even like baddier. And it's this look at depression. And I love these movies and horror can get away with it like no other. Where the horror is a metaphor for some sort of disease or, or issue and this one is tied in with depression. And 
It is written and directed by Jennifer Kent. And I, I just think it's such a good movie. It's effective. And uh, check that one out if you haven't. Uh, it gets name dropped in Scream 2022. She says, I, I like cerebral horror. I like thinkers like the Babadook. Which is always fun to say. The Babadook. Jennifer Kent also directed Monster tw- uh, 2005, Dogville. Oh, she was additional crew. And The Nightingale from 2018. So she's still working. Good for her. Not a lot. Not a lot. So that was 2014. She also did a short in 2014. The Nightingale four years later. And now she's working on some TV. The Cabinet of Curiosities. What is that? Let's look at that. We're going down the rabbit hole, guys. We're doing it together. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. So this comes out... Later this year, it's a show. Rupert Grint is in it. Peter Weller. Well, we got RoboCop in this. Sold. Um, Cabinet of Curiosities. All right, you just made you just made the list. Jennifer Kent. All right, all right. The next film on my little list here is Candyman, twenty twenty one, which is very enjoyable. Not like the original at all. Not that that's not enjoyable. It's just a different type of film directed by Nia DaCosta and she's kind of blowing up she's got a Marvel movie coming out now and she's just lighting it on fire and she's a person of color because uh, it is Black History Month and in two weeks actually uh, I want to celebrate black uh, filmmakers and, and horror directors as well so we're gonna do that in a couple weeks and go down that rabbit hole. We might see her name again, Nia DaCosta. Check out the new Candyman. It, it kind of flew under the radar. It, it, it finally dropped because this was a COVID casualty. I was so damn excited about this movie. It was supposed to come out like two years ago. And then COVID shut it down literally months before it was set to release and broke my heart. Broke it. You cannot do a list about female horror directors without talking about the Soska sisters, Jen Soska and Sylvia Soska, specifically their film American Mary, which is an, is another good one. This is uh, 2012. This became an instant favorite in the horror community, and as it should, it, it's, it's very well done. It's violent. It's bloody. And it's neat that these twin sisters write and direct horror movies, and I, I think that's super cool. Uh, they would go on to do See No Evil 2, starring my boy Kane. My boy Kane. Uh, they did a segment in ABC's of Death 2, and it looks like they're still working, still making horror films. So American Mary, See No Evil 2, Vendetta in 2015. Interesting, interesting. Is that the big show? That's the big show. They Do these girls just make fucking... WWE movies? Hang on. Vendetta, 2015, directed by the Soska Sisters, written by Justin Shady, stars Big Show, Paul White, and Dean Kane. Excuse me? Pardon me? A detective pushed beyond his limits will stop at nothing for vengeance. When his wife is killed by a criminal that he put away, Mason... Dean King 
a hard-nosed detective, deliberately gets arrested in order to get revenge. While inside, Mason discovers a new criminal enterprise that those behind it would kill to protect. Vendetta. The tagline for this movie is, Get ready for hell in a cell. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. That already exists. Oh, these these WWE movies. They're ready for the granddaddy of them all. That's fucking amazing. I've never heard of this. And I thought I knew all of the bullshit projects that Big Show did. Like the Big Big Show on Netflix and all of that. I want to watch this trailer. Do we dare? Do we dare watch this trailer? Oh, Big Show looking good. Big Show was thin in 2015. Dean Kane uh, does not. Alright, I'm just gonna skim through it, guys. Oh, yeah, this is a real cheap movie to make. Uh, 90% of it's gonna take place in this prison, which is probably like just some junkyard that they found. And they're like, yeah, put some barbed wire there. We're good. You got a prison yard. Wow. What the fuck were we talking about? Women in horror. These angels. These angels among us. Giving us the bloodiest films. So one thing I noticed researching this this topic. I found a lot of female horror directors and writers. They love vampire stories. They love werewolf stories. A lot of changeling things stories about transformation and you know i don't want to talk too much about this because i am a dude but i couldn't help wonder if you know a part of that is being a female being a woman they obviously go through their transformations they go through their you know their transformations and i wonder if that's a part of it you know they, they start the, the menstruation, and then they have the menopauses later on. You know, there I said it. Now we can get past it. But I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I, I'd like to think so. It makes sense. You know, you write what you know, what you feel, what you experience. And even a lot of those films straight up talk about it. Carrie, um, Ginger Snaps, uh, is about puberty and change. It makes sense that their experiences would transfer over uh, to their art. And I would imagine sometimes that shit's pretty horrific, <laughs> pretty scary. Uh, I will be putting out a Carrie review on Patreon down the road here because I finished that book. I want to watch those movies. There's two movies. I didn't know about this one. Let's talk about this. 2013, there was a Carrie movie directed by Kimberly Pierce. So here we go, Women in Horror. I love it. I did not know about this 2013 one, though. And it stars um, what's her, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, who she's great. Julianne Moore is the mother. Oh, my God. This movie's probably going to be good. I'd hope. Because in Carrie, you know, you're familiar with Carrie. She telekinesis. They prank her real bad with the blood. And she says, well, I'm just going to fucking kill everybody. How about that? But the reason is, like, the mom's really mean and religious. And it's kind of got this little girl all fucked up. Uh, kind of real piece of work. And for the mom to be played by Julianne Moore, I could see that. Ooh. All right, I can't wait to watch that. So there's another one, Women in Horror, Kimberly, Kimberly Pierce, 2013 Carrie. 
What else has she done? Boys Don't Cry. Yep. Carrie and a good amount of TV work. There you go. Get paid, Kim. Get paid. Now, this is Slasherville, so let's talk female slasher filmmakers and writers. How about Freddy's Dead? The Final Nightmare. Legit one of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movies. It. Uh, I don't know if I want to rank the Nightmare movies. I think we've done it before, Jim and I. But now, you know, I, I won't feel awkward about really putting Freddy's Dead near the front of, of that list because I, I love it. It's goofy. It's like a cartoon directed by Rachel Talalay. And if you've seen Never Sleep Again, the documentary on Nightmare on Elm Street series where they go like movie by movie and it's like a five-hour fucking documentary and it's great. It's worth every fucking second of it. Uh, she was influenced by a lot of those B-movies uh, back in the day. Roger Corman, things like that. And it shows in that movie. It's it's hilarious. Like the, the first thing with Freddy is he rides by on a broom. Wicked Witch style. And then he splats onto the street like a Looney Tune cartoon. And yeah, one of my favorites. And Rachel's a big part of that. She was a producer on those movies uh, throughout its run. And then finally they said, she said, I, you know, I, I would want to do it. And they said, absolutely, you fucking earned it. And she's from Chicago. So there we go. Local kid doing right. Go get him, Rachel. What has she done since then? So she did, she directed Tank Girl a couple years after Freddy's Dead. That's pretty cool. What else? What else? Oh, wow. Yeah, she's... She is still around. She is still working. A good amount of television. That's awesome. Doctor Who? Damn. Riverdale? Which makes sense, because I think that has some dark elements to it. And most recently, The Flash. I think people like that show, The Flash. Well, she directed a handful of episodes there. So good shit, Rachel. Another slasher directed by a woman. The Slumber Party massacre one of my favorite little guilty pleasures and i haven't watched it in years but it's it's a fun little it's a fun little bloodbath and amy holden jones directed it and what i love about the slumber party massacre movies slumber party massacre 2 also directed by a woman fuck yeah you're gonna have a movie like this have a woman direct it and write it which happens in both of those movies. And I was concerned when the new Slumber Party Massacre came out, which came out last year, and I hear it's pretty good, but I was like, I hope it's you know directed by a woman because that's kind of the thing with those movies, at least in, in my opinion, that's a big part of its charm, uh, what makes those movies unique. But Slumber Party Massacre 2021, directed by a woman, Danishka Easterhazy. Yep. And and that's what I want to see. So Danishka also directed, what the fuck? I was Lorena Bobbitt two years ago. Level 16 from 2018. Um, so she's, yeah, she's got some weird, dark movies on her resume. So that makes sense that uh, this Slumber Party Massacre 2021 got pretty favorable reviews. I remember when it came out, people said, don't sleep on this. And I did. And I apologize for that, but that's, it's on the list, guys. 
There's a lot of movies on the list that we got to get through. And that's definitely one of them. So maybe we'll uh, we'll move that up and get that done sooner than later. The last film I wanted to talk about here is a bit of a controversial one for me because I've always dogged this movie. I've always clowned this movie. And it probably wasn't fair. I was immature. I was... I was salty. I was an up-and-coming screenwriter trying to get my movies made. And then this this stripper comes out of nowhere, makes Juno, wins best screenplay. And I'm over here doing my worth the weights, my big love stories, saying, damn it, what about me? I'm a man. I should be having this success, not some woman who's dancing on a pole. Well, that was immature can't think that way. And I've come around on uh, on Diablo Cody. Go get him, Diablo. You fucking, you work that pole. I'll work that pole. I'm going to have no choice soon. But the film I'm talking about is Jennifer's Body. And I've heard mixed things on Jennifer's Body. I have a, a buddy who swears by it. And it came out in 2009. I don't even know if I really watched it all the way through. I pro- you know, Sometimes there's those movies where maybe they star someone that you don't care for, or they're directed by somebody or written by somebody that just rubs you the wrong way, so you just kind of shit on it right off the bat. That's the case here, and I do I do apologize for that. But, you know, personal growth. Personal growth. Because next week, we are talking Jennifer's body. That's going to be our big Valentine's Day topic. We're going to talk love and horror next week for Valentine's Day. And we're also going to talk Jennifer's Body. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to get my hands on this movie. And I'm going to give it an honest shot. Uh, because because I've grown and I want to see some blood in this. I don't remember anything about it. I know Megan Fox is in it. Uh, the other pretty girl is in it. And Megan Fox is like a succubus or vampire. And the other girl's not. But maybe she turns into one. And there's a boy. Like I said, it's Valentine's Day. This seems like a great movie uh, to watch for next week. And yeah, let's give it an honest shot. And I encourage everyone, because you all have those movies too. You're like, oh, Will Ferrell, I hate Will Ferrell, but I hear that Elf is good. Fucking watch it. Put your saltiness aside and give it an honest chance. And that's what we're going to do next week. Jennifer's Body, directed by Karen Kusama who also directed The Invitation to uh, 2015. I hear really good things about that. She directed Girl Fight. She directed Eon Flux, which I don't think I'm going to blame her for that. She also directed an episode of Yellow Jackets, the pilot of that, which that's a nice little horror show that I've been enjoying quite a bit. That That's on Amazon? It's on one of the streamings. But Yellow Jackets was good. That's going to get a second season. If you like horror and you like ladies, that's 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 the show for you. And it looks like Karen is still a working. That is awesome. Yeah, she is quite legit here. Good good for you, Karen, with a Y. Next week we're going to hopefully sing her praises when it comes to Jennifer's body. I'm going to be noting the directing from Karen, the writing from Diablo, and the acting from our very attractive cast. So a little bit of homework this week. All right, so let's talk a little Scream. 
Eventually, we're going to start phasing out all the Scream talk. But the movie just came out, and they just announced the sequel. They greenlit it. It's official. We are getting a sequel to Scream 2022. As of right now, they're just sort of calling it Scream 6. But of course, it got greenlit. Of course, we're getting a sequel to that movie. It was very successful. Box office wise, critically, audiences, you know, because you have to be careful just because a movie comes out and maybe it makes a lot of money, it could still be shit and then rub the audience the wrong way. So you might have made a lot of money this time, but when your sequel comes out, they say, nah, we learned our lesson last time. We're not going to see this film. I don't think that's going to be the case here. People enjoyed Scream. I did. Once again, the killer, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. We're going to be a little light in the cast because we had some uh, some casualties. But we'll see what, what they do there. There is a huge push for Matthew Lillard. I would love to see it if they can do it right. It sounds like he's interested. And why not? Like, who cares? Yeah, it's a bit goofy. But your hardcore fan base really wants that. Fucking YOLO. Give the people what they want. (laughs) Like, don't be on some Vince McMahon shit. I know what you like. I'll tell you what you want. No, we want Stu. Just give us Stu. If it doesn't work, well, that's that's on us. (laughs) We wanted it. But I do think there's a way to bring him in that's not cringe and, and stupid. Now, you'll have to be creative. You won't be able to get away with too much else after that like this movie scream 2022 we had uh the spoiler embargo is lifted by the way so sorry in scream 2022 we had mental visions of billy loomis which you don't get that in any of the other movies the closest you get would be scream 3 when sydney is having a nightmare and her dead mom like approaches the house and scares her in the window. That's the closest we've really gotten to visions like that. If you're bringing Stu back, and maybe the catalyst or some part of it can be tied in to his nephew who does get killed in Scream 2022. He gets killed outside the bar. I don't know if that can play into it at all, but there's an opportunity there. They set themselves up for it, maybe without even realizing it. So, fucking bring him him back. And I also said this week I was going to rank the Scream films because I did not do that in the big Scream episode a couple weeks ago. So here we go, guys, because this one was hard for me. Last week I said I thought I had a list, but then I changed it, and then I changed it back. But I have settled on a list, my personal list, and I'd love to see your rankings of the screen movie so go to anchor.fm slash slasherville pod do it on your phone do it on the anchor app you know leave a little voice message let me know your rankings because i am curious and here are mine in sequential order here you have to kick it off with the original scream let's not let's not fuck around let's not be cute the og's getting that number one spot and then things are going to get a little a little weird here. And we probably know what the last one is. Because I bitch about it every week. 
when we talk about Scream. So uh, we kick it off with the OG, Scream. The next best is Scream 2022, this new one. It's really good, folks. It is really good. And everybody crushes it. The music, directing, writing, acting. There's a couple scenes that, eh. There's a couple issues with the ending that, meh. But overall, very good film. Added to the lore without taking anything away. They built upon a, a very strong foundation. So that's that's awesome. And like I said, that's why we're getting Scream 6 2023. What are they going to call it? See, now they fuck themselves. And everybody's making the jokes. Uh, scream kills and scream ends, right? <laughs> Horror comedians need to fucking take a break. It's not your wheelhouse. So Scream 1, then Scream 2022. In third place here, Scream 2. And I think a lot of people might put Scream 2 in the second slot. But I really like Scream 2022. And it might be a recency bias. Is that a thing? Recency bias? You know, you see something, you know, recent and it just sticks with you. You enjoy it because it just happens, you know, not that long ago. So OG 2022, Scream 2. And then we have the final two spots. You know how it's going to go. Next up, Scream 3. Now Scream 3 almost snuck into that third slot and that would have been controversial i should have done it just just to rile people up but yeah scream 3 i understand it's not the best there are a lot of things that i do like about it and there are definitely some dog shit aspects of it so it, it has that uh second to last placing and of course in last place let me get this uh, webcam headset on real quick. Let me uh, watch this opening that has five openings within its openings. Scream 4. And I've seen people rank their screams on like Twitter and stuff. That's one of the things that motivated me to do this here. I said, well, I'll fucking rank them. How about that? I need content in Slasherville. Save it for the show. And a lot of people had Scream 4 in like the second, third slot. Some, I think I even saw somebody's number one, but they had to be trolled. They must have been in it. That was Culkin. He said, I'll tell you what, I think Scream 4 is pretty good. My mom liked it. So that's the Scream films ranked. My personal opinion, my personal ranking. And like I said, let me know what you think. Anchor.fm slash Slasherville pod. Leave me a message. Speaking. Whoo. Segue. Speaking of leaving me a voice message. Last week, I talked Dan Housen, AEW's newest signee. And he's like a horror character and all that. We, we talked about it last week. And I talked about Dan Housen for a lot longer than I thought I would on that show. And somebody left me a message. So let's play that message. Let me see who this is from. It looks like it is from Jim Snedeker. What? Well, let's go ahead and play this clip about Danhausen. Dale, what's a Danhausen? 
You better not be sofa loving me here. Is it Dan Housen or Dan Housen? Is it is talking about sofa loves, Dale? Sofa loves? Dan Housens? What's a Dan Housen, Jim? Is it Dan Housen or Dan Housen? It's actually Donovan Danhausen, although he mostly goes by Danhausen. Uh, got rid of the, the Donovan for some reason, and that's his shoot name. According to Wikipedia, anyway, which is never wrong, his fucking shoot name is Donovan Danhausen. Like, that's awesome. Were you fucking born on third base? Good God. And how over is Danhausen that, that that's what brings Jim back to Slasherville? Even, even in voice message form, even for a little bit, just 30 seconds there, it brought Jim back to the show. Danhausen. Working miracles, not just in wrestling, but on podcasts as well. So yeah, Donovan Danhausen, and he's been on AEW a couple weeks now. He'll he'll pop up, give you a little curse, and then walk away because he's got a broken foot, so he's not going to be wrestling uh, for for a couple more months, I'd imagine. But they're sprinkling him in to the show, getting you accustomed to this weirdo. He needs a promo. He needs to do something on television besides appearing out of nowhere, giving somebody a little curse, and then waddling away awkwardly. Because like I said, he, you know, he's a goofy character, and it's, it's funny the way he walks, the way he holds his hands up like you know, Mr. Burns, you know, ooh, kind of meekly. Uh, but give the man some promo, some backstage segments, because that's where he shines. That is where that man shines. The humor is just so enjoyable. Also, for those curious, if I was able to go to AEW last week in the big blizzard, I was not. I could not even get my car out to go to work, so I lost money that day. And then I had to eat the tickets, so that was 70 bucks down the drain. So I'm just glad that we haven't had a lot of snow this year here in the Midwest, in the Chicago suburbs. But it shows that day... To bring hell on earth <laughs> in the form of snow to really screw me over. It couldn't have been two days before, two days after. No, no, the day you want to go to AEW Dynamite where I could have seen Danhausen live. Could have seen John Moxley. Could have seen all my favorites, but I couldn't. Heartbreaker. They didn't have Hook on the show. That would have infuriated me. If I would have missed Hook, but so I didn't miss Hook. At least there's that. In my open on this show, I said we were going to talk about a new cult classic, a 20-year-old film that has become very popular. This is from WeGotThisCovered.com, one of my favorite. WeGotThisShitCovered.net. I'm not going to read it or anything. I'm just going to tell you what it's about because it's a beautiful, beautiful story about a horror film that I've always enjoyed, that nobody really knew or cared about. Nobody would shit on it. They'd be like, yeah, it's fine. But now, for some reason, it's getting a resurgence on the social platforms. Like, it's one of Hulu's top movies right now for no real reason, (laughs) except for it's good. The film is Joyride from 2021, starring Paul Walker and Steve Zahn who are siblings, and it's like a little road trip. we got to go pick up my girlfriend. I love her, and, you know, whatever. And on their drive, 
there's a truck. There's a truck on the road, you know, very isolated sort of thing. And they have a CB radio, I think, in there for plot reasons. And they start fucking with him. And they pretend to be a, a lady and they kind of, you know, flirt with him and lead him, you know, make him look like a fool. And, you know, it's Candy Cane. Hey, this is Candy Cane, big trucker. How you doing? He's like, you sound pretty hot, Candy Cane. And, oh, yeah, I'm so hot. My boobs are big. And we should, hey, let's, you should, let's go to that truck stop and I'll give you a little doo doo. And like, that sounds really, I'm a very lonely man, and I, said, I need that very much, thank, thank Candy Cane. And, of course, they don't do that, and he stops and looks like a real asshole, and they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have done that to old Rusty Nail. I forgot that's the trucker name. Hey, Rusty Nail, <laughs> this is Candy Cane. You want to... <laughs> and... Now, now the horror movie has kicked in. Uh, they pick up the girlfriend back on the road. Now she's, you know, roped up in this bullshit. And it's awesome because he would begin to terrorize them. And the CB radio would, would become a, a factor in that. And he would just kind of mess with them. You know, candy cane. Candy cane. And that was a big inside joke for me and my friends who would play so common. Back when you had internet friends and they all lived in Canada. And they were they were nice and you would get drunk. And Candy Cane was always just, I don't know. Because it was a good movie. And for some reason, nobody really realized that until 2022. Where it's spiking on Hulu. And it looks like it, it might be a movie that's going to get a, a second life. And as it should. Because it is good, and apparently it has a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Holy shit, wouldn't have guessed that. So it looks like critics knew. Critics knew? But what did the audience think about it? Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus, Joyride 2, Joyride 3. No thank you. So yeah, 74 from critics. Audiences, a 65. So good for the critics. Good for the gosh darn critics if you haven't seen joyride obviously give it a shot it is enjoyable it's not long an hour and 36 minutes and it's paul walker he's charming steve zahn he's funny uh the girl uh what's who's who plays the girlfriend lilu lily <laughs> lily sobieski that's right i forgot about her but she's in it she's good she's cute and you know she gets put in, in danger so if you have Hulu, check out Joyride. Get in, get in on the resurgence. This week I also wanted to talk about Toxic Avenger because the director, Macon Blair, had some very interesting quotes regarding the new movie. Uh, some new tidbits that I don't think were out yet as far as some plot elements. So I'm just going to read this, these quotes here. And this is from Comic Book. Com, who probably got it from someplace else because that's how journalism works. It was. It was actually from Bloody Flicks. So let's give credit to Bloody Flicks and comicbook.com. And now it's going to get re-re-regurgitated here on Slasherville. But this quote uh, is, is worth it here. He says, I saw Toxie as an impressionable kid and it had quite an impact on me. The absurdity and gleeful bad taste of it. 
So in one sense, it's an exciting privilege to get to take a swing at a new version, but it's also kind of daunting because there are different goals we're trying to hit simultaneously. Troma fans are passionate and dedicated, and it's impossible to make a movie they feel like honors the original. I don't presume we're going to be able to please every single person, but the intention and the hope is that fans will feel like we've preserved some of that Kaufman vibe. But at the same time, we want to make a movie that will connect with contemporary audiences who may not have heard of Troma or Toxie, who are coming into it without that context. So it can't all be winks and nods and rehash of the original. There's some good in that quote. And the contemporary. We also want to think about the non-fans. Fuck them. Fuck them. They can catch up. They can catch up. I, I love watching a movie that clearly has some winks and nods, some inside jokes, and you're not quite on board, but you're tying things together, and it makes you earn the enjoyment out of it. Maybe you go back and watch the other film, and you're like, oh, no, now I get it. Oh, that makes that even funnier. I'm going to watch it again now. So that was a little concerning, but he does have multiple quotes talking about the vibe and trying to keep the vibe. He's big on vibes, and that's good. Now, the vibe is violence. The vibe is slapstick violence. It's camp. So I hope to God it, it's got some camp. Otherwise, I don't know if the world is ready for like a serious take on the Toxic Avenger. That'd be a fucking living nightmare. That's actually a very scary film that I don't want to see just yet. Let's let's just do the Toxic Avenger here. Oh, I'm sorry. Toxic Avenger. There's no the. Like I said, we always get rid of the articles and these, these requels. These requels and resequels. And here's the last quote with that little story tidbit that got me excited. So here we go. Because the original was about Melvin Ferd, a mild-mannered janitor at a health club who was transformed into a horrific radioactive creature after being chased out of a window by bullies. However, the toxic waste doesn't just transform his appearance. Melvin is given superhuman size and strength, standing up to the bullies and corruption as well. This new take will take on similar themes described as when a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste, he is transformed into a mutant freak who must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. So let's slow that down, bring it back here, so let's unpack that a little bit here when a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste now like they said in the original he's getting bullied um, I think they set him on fire and he jumps out of the window uh, and lands into <laughs> a barrel of toxic waste whoops there's a truck, there's a truck driving by and they've got toxic waste in the back. And they're doing cocaine, I believe, which is hilarious. Drugs are funny. And it's, you know, red light or for whatever reason, it stops in front of the health club. And when he takes his window bump, right into the fucking toxic waste. And that's what that's 
what turns him into the Toxic Avenger. Now, Melvin, I would say Melvin was an every man. He was an every boy. He was just a nerdy guy trying to get a fucking paycheck. He's just mopping up the health club. And the, the muscle heads there were mean and bullying him. And they trick him like, hey, this hot chick wants to make out with you. Uh, Seven o'clock in the locker room. Uh, lights out. Mm. And you know, he's in there and they start kissing. Mm. And they turn the lights on. And it was, it's a pig. Oh, he was kissing a pig. And then they point and laugh and he starts having a meltdown. Spazzes out, jumps out the window. So that's pretty similar. But the getting pushed. I don't know how I feel about that. Who's pushing him? Because that guy's got to die. I mean, I guess we're creating a villain. I always think about what I would do. Because I'm a screenwriter. Dale, we need you to write. We're remaking the Toxic Avenger. Try to keep those Kaufman vibes. Would I do a carbon copy? Would I have Melvin jump out of the window after being bullied? Would I have a conveniently parked truck transporting toxic waste or outside the health club would i do it like that probably not so i can't totally get mad at macon blair and these folks for making that slight change but so he's getting pushed he's getting pushed a small detail but to folks like me that that that's a big one the other big thing from this quote is Transformed into a mutant freak. Who must so shunned outcast to underdog hero. That's that is the toxic avenger. Shunned outcast to underdog hero. As he races to the here's the big here's the thing to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. Now, corruption and greed that's always in there. That is the, the keystone of that whole franchise. Toxie 2, Toxie 3. A citizen toxie, there's always corruption and, and greed uh, in there. But Toxie's going to have a son? He can have friends, that's that's fine. And a lot of the citizens in Tromaville sort of become his friend as he saves them as Toxie. You know, he, he turns this kind of shitty city into a more friendly shitty city. But he's got a son, so there, there we go. That was that was the big tidbit from that. And I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'm gonna wait and see. I'm not gonna Jennifer's body this and prejudge it because that's unfair. It's not right. So we'll see how this son subplot plays out, and you know what it's gonna lead up to, right? You know what that sequel is? Son of Toxie. Give me the son of Toxie. I want that so bad. I didn't think I wanted it until a week ago when I read this article. I said, you got a son? That's fucking weird. Why are they always changing things? Hang on, son of Toxie. Mm. Think of the booking. And we still have no date on Toxic Avenger. The last thing I wanted to talk about this week is just a, a little bit of good news. For those who like to view horror films that weren't really great when they came out, and then we get that director's cut, that never-before-seen version that comes out and, and really changes things, this is about Wes Craven's Cursed. And it's a little werewolf movie, which 
I'm not a huge fan of. You know, last week I, I said, you know, not really a vampire guy, not really a werewolf guy, fuck werewolves. And that's kind of how I felt about Cursed. And I was excited about Cursed when it came out back in the day because it's Wes Craven. Come on. Nightmare on Elm Street guy. Screen guy. Come on. And Cursed came out. I didn't really care for it all that much. And now it looks like Scream Factories coming out with a Blu-ray with some never-before-seen version. And some folks are excited about it. Some say don't get your hopes up because we don't know if it's footage inserted into the movie, if it's going to be like a bonus content in the extras. But it will be nice to have a little something to help Cursed out because it wasn't what Wes Craven wanted. They kind of fucked it up a little bit. That man had some issues with producers from beginning to end. That poor, poor man just trying to make his horror pictures. God damn. But if they have extra footage in the movie, I will rewatch Cursed. That, that'll be a little watch-along thing for us. We'll, we'll do some homework that week. And is that going to do it this week? No, I don't think it is. I've got one more topic for you. Because next week, Valentine's Day, we're, we're talking Jennifer's body. We're talking horror and love. We're really going to get into that. So let's get this out of the way this week. Because South by Southwest announced their Midnighters lineup, which is you know their horror movies. All these film festivals, they kind of have a block for the horror films, you know. We talked about one the other week, and this is South by Southwest, which is like the cool festival, and they are usually very friendly to horror. So here are the horror films that they're showing this year at their film festival, and I'm going to read the titles and the log lines because uh, DreadCentral.com has this laid out perfectly for me. So here are the movies. They're showing one called Bitch Ass. Bitch Ass. In 1999, a gang initiation goes wrong when recruits break into the deadly game house of cinema's first black mass serial killer. Think Don't Breathe meets Squid Games, but black. Cast list, Tony Todd. Okay, I'm on board. So, gang initiation. Yeah, this is very much like Don't Breathe. We're like, we're going to go into this house and, oh shit, this guy turned the tables on us. So, Cinema's first black masked serial killer. What? Did they, well, on a Tuesday with an axe. Like, that's very specific. Cinema, mass serial killer. I mean, we must have had a black serial killer in cinema, so they had to throw the mask in there. I wonder what that mask looked like. Oh, oh, that looks cool. That's a good mask. That is a good mask. If you um, Google bitch-ass mask, I think... Eventually, you'll find it. We also have Deadstream. When a washed-up internet personality attempts to win back his followers by live-streaming a haunted house, he accidentally pisses off a vengeful spirit, and his big comeback event becomes a fight for his life and social relevance. That's fun. That's a little found footage. Probably wasn't the most expensive to make. I think that's... Uh, a clever, clever movie. I like the title, Deadstream. Instead of live stream, he's dead streaming. A haunted house. And we've had films like this. Found footage haunted house movies. Hell House LLC. 
and its sequel, which are really good, by the way. Check those out. So this is gonna be, so this is gonna fit right in with those, and hell, hell yeah, Deadstream. <clears throat> Next up, we have Hypochondriac. A young Potter's life devolves into chaos as he loses function of his body while being haunted by the physical manifestation of his childhood trauma. That is kind of vague. Um, so we'll wait for a trailer for Hypochondriac. Next up, this one's from Russia. Ugh. It's called No Looking Back. Family dysfunction reaches a boiling point as three generations of warring women face off. No Looking Back. Women in Horror. <laughs> from Australia. Oi. Oi. Ay. It's called Sissy. Invited away on a bachelorette weekend, Sissy is stuck in a remote cabin with her high school bully and a taste for revenge. Women in Horror. There we go. So another bully... About, about to get that revenge, like Carrie, like the Toxic Avenger. This is great. It's called Sissy. That is not where I thought it was going either. I said, uh-oh, might have to edit this one out. But nope. This next one's from Ireland. Ta-ta-ta-ta. Potato. It's called The Cellar. Kara Wood's daughter mysteriously vanishes in the cellar of their new house. She soon discovers there is an ancient and powerful entity controlling their home that she will have to face or risk losing her family's souls forever. Castlist Alicia Cuthbert. It's good to see her back. She's a very attractive and talented lady. The cellar. Ireland. What's in there? Is it a leprechaun? There's always a leprechaun in the basement. There's always a leprechaun. And we're getting closer to March. We're getting closer to St. Paddy's Day. You know we're looking at those leprechaun films. So get them out. Get them out. This next film is called Watcher. And this was on that other list that we did. A young woman moves into a new apartment and is tormented by the feeling that she is being watched. Wow, a much shorter log line this time than the bullshit they had in that other one. Uh, the last one here is another one that... I've talked about, and it's X. And this is Ty West's new film. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast finds themselves fighting for their lives. So that's the one where they're out there making a porno at the farmer's house, and they don't care for it. Horror chaos ensues. So that's a nice little fucking block of horror films at south by southwest this year deadstream i want to see bitch ass i want to see because it's it's cinema's first black mass serial killer so you know black history month you know here, here we go hypochondriac we'll wait for the trailer on that and i want to see the cellar because i want to see what's down there it's gonna be a leprechaun place your bets leave a message on anchor.fm what do you think is going to be in the cellar? What's this powerful entity? They're being very vague about that. All right, let's mosey on out of here. Plugs. Please follow the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Everything is at SlashervillePod. Uh, drop us a follow, a like. Leave a comment. Those comments help out with algorithm stuff. Interactions. I think they're called interactions. Oh, man, it loves it. And, of course, hit up the Patreon. 
For five bucks a month, you get the movie breakdown slash commentary track with random drops throughout the month. I'm going to be putting out the Salem's Lot review because I read the book, watched the movie. Um, so that review is going to be on Patreon soon. And some other stuff's probably going to make its way there as well. There's also free content, so it's always worth checking out the Patreon. Look, this is a one-man show now. Help ya boy out. Next week, like I said, big Valentine's Day episode. Watch Jennifer's Body before listening. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about horror and love. Romantic horror. Is it a thing? It's probably going to be a lot of vampire stuff, huh? Probably. And the week after that, that's going to be some Black History Month celebration horror. And black filmmakers. Can't wait for that either. Well, these next couple shows are going to be good. That one is also going to have our, our Texas Chainsaw Massacre review because it'll be out by then. So we did it. We waited it out. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, February 18th. Guys, that is going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great blood-soaked day. I'm the Babadook.